0: Welcome to Church Unboxed, where we tackle the topics that most Christians are sometimes too scared to talk about. Each week, together with guests, I'll be uncovering issues that have been swept under the rug and listening to people who not only have inspiring stories, but in many cases are the voice of the voiceless. I'm your host, Sarah Tabo, worship leader, singer, and songwriter. Welcome to today's guest, Samuel Leeds. Samuel is a multi-millionaire property investor best-selling author and international speaker. Samuel has been investing in property since 2009 and has been involved in over 400 property transactions, with his largest property investment to date being his castle, acquiring an estimated end valuation of £6.35 million. Samuel is also on a mission to share his knowledge around property investments, running the largest property training school in Europe, which has trained over 25,000 students on his live events and over 200,000 students online. As a passionate philanthropist, Samuel started the Samuel Leeds Foundation, under which he carries out his charity work, including his current partnership with the Ugandan government building schools in which he insists financial education will be taught welcome samuel lovely to have you thanks
1: for having me on the show it's uh, it's great to be here and thank you for the lovely introduction
0: yes this is such a packed cv you have and i have to say one thing that stuck out for me was the fact that you live in a castle and i always love to start these podcasts with a bit of an icebreaker so i'm just going to ask you what is the biggest upside and the biggest headache of living in a castle
1: well that's a funny question because I own a castle but I don't actually live in the castle. All
0: right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know what though? Um, it's it's a headache owning it. So it's a, it's it's a, it's a property that we bought in 2018 and we're turning it into luxury houses and apartments. Wow. So I don't live in it. I just I actually live in Buckinghamshire. We've just bought a house. I am in it right now. Um, yeah. with my family, my wife, um, and our three kids. But, um, yeah, so, so the biggest upside to uh, owning a castle is probably that it gives you a great introduction when you come on shows like this. (laughs) I love that. I
0: love that. (laughs) The
1: biggest downside is having protected bats in there and, you know, planning permission. And it's, 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 it's not all fun and games. It's a lot of hard work. Um, Protected
0: bats even. Yeah.
1: So bats, bats are protected. So they have, they have rights. So if, If you've got bats that live in your property especially if they're a rare breed of bats it means that you have to you can't remove them you have to rehouse them so it's it's um it's it's part of the joys of being a property developer
0: (laughs) that's really exciting gosh and we're going to be talking today about prosperity you know and balancing our understanding of the prosperity gospel and the truths about this sometimes controversial topic and i'm really excited to have you on a friend of mine actually attended a property investment training program that you ran and he was really encouraged by your openness about your faith when talking to a really broad audience do you ever get negative feedback for talking about your walk with god given you're talking about money and prosperity and wealth in the in those kind of settings
1: you you know what yes um sometimes people are you know offended um or, or, or uncomfortable with it but i think when I'm when I'm sharing my faith or when I'm sharing my you know my uh, my testimony, I don't do it in a way which is sort of like um, you know preachy or. And or I, I, I don't always get permission, you know. I sort of just as part of my story, I'll just say, look, is it all right if I'm really just open about my about my faith? And generally speaking, people are happy. So mm. of course, some people are you know upset, but um, at the end of the day, I'm not ashamed of my of my faith, and I think that you know as, as a Christian, I believe that I've got a or an obligation and a duty to share what Christ has done for me, mm. uh, even if I am in a in a secular setting.
0: Yeah. And speaking of faith, growing up, I, I grew up in a Pentecostal background. I go to an apostolic church and I've kind of seen, and even when I was much younger, I also heard about certain expectations of Christians, i.e. Christians need to be not too flamboyant or rich or showy of their wealth and then in certain circles particularly probably around the pentecostal circles you have a lot of proclamation around wealth prosperity so it almost feels like within the faith itself there are two extremes there's a you know end of the spectrum that are you mustn't be rich it's not a, it's not godly almost and there's the other end of the spectrum which is poverty is actually a sign of not having god in your life and not being blessed so how have you and i'm guessing you've probably come across these different schools of thought within the christian community how would you reconcile those two different extremes around the topic of prosperity as a blessing from god
1: yeah that's a great question and you're absolutely right there is but very often within churches there's there's two extremes mm. uh, I think money is a very misunderstood subject but it's actually one of the things that Jesus spoke about the most uh, mm. any, any topic so to ignore money and to fact to have it as something that's taboo and not talk not talked about is probably not very christ-like um in terms of the two extremes I believe that in fact we were just speaking about this off you know off, off camera yeah I believe that the two extremes and I've been I've been in part of both of those, I've been I've been in a church which is prosperity gospel a little bit, and then I've also been in churches which are like what we call the poverty gospel, which is as you say, if you've got money, it means that you're not spiritual, and if you've got money, it means that um, you know you're greedy or you, you're not uh, you're relying on money instead of God. But I think both of those viewpoints actually actually have the same fundamental flaw, which is that that, that your your finances defines your spirituality, mm-hmm. and actually I believe that you can be poor financially but be very rich spiritually Mm. um but i also believe that you can be rich financially and rich spiritually and i don't think that there's a correlation between the two and that's when we fall into problems when we think that your 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 bank balance defines you know how good of a christian you are because it really Mm. doesn't Mm.
0: that's a really good point because that misconception around well you're wealthy so you can't be a christian or you're poor so you know you're you're righteous because you're poor, but you know sometimes there's a scripture in in the Beatitudes which, said, which says blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom. And I suspect that's probably where that ideology um, has come from, if you like. So, I mean, when you get into these kind of interactions with individuals who probably because you're on the other extreme, you're on the wealth you know creation side of things and you're also wealthy so you have the evidence of the wealth how do you respond to critics i'm imagining there might be people who you know say how can you be a christian if you're rich or how can you be showing off your wealth and claim to be a christian how do you respond to critics? because i can imagine there are probably people who are so uncomfortable about being public about you know their wealth that they just kind of hide away sometimes they feel embarrassed about being wealthy i don't know if you ever came to the point where you felt obviously you probably grew in your wealth did you ever get to the point as your wealth grew that you felt oh my goodness i'm becoming you know people are knowing my worth and my wealth and they might you know how did you kind of evolve through the seasons of growing in your wealth and responding potentially i would imagine to maybe critics
1: Yeah, so I started out in business when I was very young. So I was 17 years old when I really went, I became a full-time property entrepreneur at 17. So I wasn't wealthy at 17. I wasn't successful at all, but I was trying Mm -hmm. And at the same time I was working part-time in the church. I was involved in, you know, I was, I was involved in, um, helping the youths and I was, you know, going out on trips and and everything. And my church was quite supportive. Really. They were just like, great. You know, you, are a property entrepreneur and you're managing people's houses and this, that, and the other. And that's your tent making. Mm
0: -hmm. That's fine.
1: Mm -hmm. Great. Um, but then as I got more successful, you know, actually at the age of 19, Um, My business was really booming. I I, I owned six houses at the age of 19, which I'd financed creatively through my business and I'd I'd acquired and I was doing quite well. I wasn't rich. I wasn't like rolling in it. I was just living a normal life. But I had these houses that I'd acquired and I did start to get a lot of, um, you know, those verses thrown at me. Um, Mm -hmm. you you, You can't serve God and money. You know, and a rich person getting into heaven is like a camel going through the eye of the needle. Absolutely, yeah. All these verses started coming out, and the pastor of the church, who I loved dearly, who was like a spiritual father to me, and I I became born again in that church, even though it was quite a traditional church. Mm -hmm. Um, But the pastor, you know, I I felt like he was, whenever he was talking about money from the pulpit, I felt like he was speaking directly to me. Oh, wow. Um, You know, in a way that was not really conviction. it It was more like okay, this guy has a little bit of an issue. You know, there's there's, there's, there's a problem here. Um, and I was like, you know, I spoke to my church elders and folks in the church about, about money. And a lot of the leaders in the church just couldn't get their head around the fact that I owned multiple houses. I wanted more. I had a desire to become wealthy. But at the same time, you know, I was tithing and I was giving and I was, you know, so they just couldn't get their head around that. And, it was really, really, really challenging. And, you know, the, uh, when I just turned 20, I actually got, um, I, I wouldn't say kicked out, but I got elbowed out of the church.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: Yeah. So that was really challenging for me because it was, they were like my spiritual family and they told me not to come back to the church. And, you know, I felt really betrayed, really lost, really disillusioned. And, you know, I, I then had a, Really bad car accident, and oh I, I, I broke one of, well, not quite broke, but fractured one of my legs, and my head went through the window, um, and it was really bad. And while I was in that state, you know, this really the the, the valley of the shadow of death. Mm. I just thought, what what am I going to do in my life? Am I going to be a business person? Am I going to be? I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I spent three years at Bible College. I went to um, I went to New College in in Hagley Road, Birmingham. Spent three years studying theology and training for ministry. And while I was at Bible College, when it came to my dissertation, I decided to do it in biblical economics. So I studied, I studied what the Bible actually says about money, mm. and I, that was a really, a really interesting study for me. And that's when I studied the prosperity gospel, right. the poverty gospel. <laughs> What's Jesus actually talking about when he talks about money? And, and really just went through Old Testament and New Testament. And I, feel, I, feel, I feel like that study gave me a real strong foundation to be a Christian in business. Mm. And it also stopped me feeling guilty about making money and remembering that mm. it's not about, it's not about what, it's not about what you have. It's about what has you.
0: Oh, wow. I love that. Can you say that one more time? I really love that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's, it's not about what you have. It's about what's got you.
0: Mm, mm, so, mm.
1: um, you know, you can't, you can't serve God and money, but you can serve God through money.
0: Wow. Yes. Totally.
1: And that's what I realized at Bible college. And, you know, I looked at the context of all these verses. And so it really interesting was when Jesus walked the earth, at that time, the way that people thought about money was very much, if you've got money, God is blessing you. And you're going to go to heaven. Right. That was very much the thinking. And, that's what, and if you're broke, or even if you're sick, The thinking in the church, the religious people, the Pharisees, well, they they said to Jesus, didn't they? Oh, this man's blind. Who was it that sinned? Was it him or his parents? Mm. So the whole – and Jesus was outraged. So the whole mindset at the time of the church and of the religious folks and the Pharisees was that if you've got money, God's blessing you. You're going to go to heaven. Look at Abraham. Abraham was blessed. He had money. So that was the time. And and that's why Jesus said, actually – um, if you're if you're rich, it's, it's about as difficult going to heaven as going through, going through um, the eye of a, of a, of a the camel going through the eye of a needle.
0: Yeah. But then he didn't
1: stop there. He said, "But what's impossible with a man, man is possible with God." So I feel like the whole, if you look at the the context of the times, right? It's like what Jesus was actually saying was when he said it's impossible for a rich person to go into heaven. What he the, the response of the people was like. Well, if it's impossible for a rich person, then who can get to heaven? Yeah. No one can. No one can, except through me. Not even rich people. No one can go to heaven through their their wealth or through their... No, the only way is through me. Hmm. So, you know, Jesus spoke out against the rich people because they felt like that was a security that meant that's their ticket to heaven. Now, in 2022, fast forward 2,000 years, many churches have gone the other way where they say... Well, actually, if you've got money, you're doomed and poverty will wear poverty like a badge of honour. That means, and it's like, well, no, nothing will save you. Your bank balance will not save you. Mm -hmm. Having nothing in the bank or 10 million pounds in the bank, it's not going to save you. It's irrelevant. God doesn't care. It's actually about, do you know Christ?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's that's a fantastic summary. And I have to say, hearing a couple of things from what you've said, which is really packed, by the way, the fact that you started at 17 and you had six properties at 19, but then the fact that your church couldn't handle, you know, the wealth that you had, that is really heartbreaking. And we did an episode in the first season on church hurt and people have been hurt by the church in so many different ways. I never would have thought in a million years that people could actually... Experienced church hurt because they were too wealthy for the church. That is a whole new dimension. But I'm very, yeah. I mean, yeah. They,
1: wouldn't they wouldn't have said that at the time. They wouldn't have said, oh, it's because you're too wealthy. In fact, uh-huh. their reason was um they said that I was a maverick. Oh. but As in, like, just a maverick, just someone that just does stuff. And because they're, they're, I think the actual point, I don't, I don't mean to speak badly of the church. and. yeah. yeah. No one's perfect. I'm absolutely not perfect. But I think the key was, you know, they wanted, they actually wanted to, I think they wanted to kind of like employ me, they wanted to control me.
0: Right. But Because
1: I was out doing this thing and I had my own money and I was making money and I was, I was, I was submitted to the church Mm -hmm. and I was serving the church. I was, but they just couldn't quite hack the whole thing. And and, and the whole mentality around wealth was that Mm. to earn more than you need is greed. When actually I believe that if you've got the God given capacity and brain to make a lot of money and you're and you're able to but you don't because of laziness or apathy or fear then actually that's that's sin because hmm. we won't be judged when we die and we have to face give an account for everything we won't be judged according to our sins because Christ covered that but we will be judged according to what we did with the gifts that God gave us yeah so if we've been given gifts entrepreneurial brains gifts we need to use those gifts but use them for the kingdom and be generous and be giving and hold there's nothing wrong with having a lot of money as long as you hold it with open hands and a generous heart the problem is if you hold things like this like mine but if you have a lot of money make a lot of money but hold it loosely then there's i i I, biblically i can't see any any Mm. argument that's wrong
0: Yeah, yeah yeah and i have had conversations with people who you know they've said i don't I don't want to be a millionaire because I don't know what I'll do with a million pounds or a million whatever so it's it's also that element of you know you said you were you had six properties but you were desiring more and I feel like sometimes we just feel like we need to cap that um and from what you've just said we shouldn't cap it if we have the capacity to do Mm -hmm. more then we should push for more but I was going to ask you something because I didn't realize you started so young at 17 Um, I mean there's so many people who are in there whatever age, who haven't even you know scratched the surface, scratched even the bottom of the barrel when it comes to starting out in property. But given that you have such wealth and you really started so young, such wealth of experience and you really started so young, what tips would you give? I mean, I was saving this question for last, but I don't want to forget to ask the question. So what tips would you give to somebody who's starting out what, at whatever age? I, I heard of somebody who started saving for property when they were 10. And they've bought their first property now. They just finished uni. So I can imagine it could be a thing of, you know, collecting pounds or whatever. So it'd be interesting to know from your perspective, starting out having nothing or maybe having a little. What would be your advice to people who are looking to at least get a foot in into the property um, industry?
1: I think if it's someone that's wanting to get into property, I would say you, you are who you spend time with. Hmm. So I would say find people that are, whatever the industry is, if you're wanting to get into property, I'd say find people that are successful in the industry hmm. and spend time with them, you know, have coffee with them, do life with them, get around people that are, if, if, you, if you're hanging around people who are complaining all the time, they're just constantly complaining, you'll probably then start complaining hmm. because it's your environment is stronger than your willpower. And if you want to be successful in property, then I would say, it's going to be really difficult to do it on your own, but if you maybe find, you know, go get some work experience in a company, in an estate agency, um, find an investor that owns just a few houses and has been in the game a few years, and mm-hmm. say, "Hey, could I could I pick your brain over a coffee? I'm really looking to get into this industry." Most people will be honoured and flattered to, to 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 share their experiences and just mm-hmm. be a sponge. You know, I'd probably say that. And and saving is good, of course, but you know what? The, House prices are going up so crazy high and everything's going up. The only thing that doesn't seem to be going up is wages.
0: <laughs> I tell you for right. real. So it's true. Not,
1: And that's the, that's a real tragedy. That's a real problem because mm. saving, up for, saving up for, although I have the deepest admiration for someone that can save from year, age 10 and then save up and buy property, that's incredible. And I say to everybody, yes, you should try and emulate that. But you know what? Saving when you're on £1,500 a month or £2,000 a month and the average rent is £1,000 and then fun. bills <laughs> and food and sa- what is there to save? And even if you're saving like £500 a month, which is really, really hard for a lot of people, you st- how many years is that going to take to, to get a deposit? Ten years? By the time you've got enough for a deposit, house prices have doubled. And that's why people are finding it harder to get on the property ladder because saving... In this, in these times, and and buying a house and then paying down the mortgage and the whole way that pe- people think to get wealthy is actually it actually worked two hundred years ago, but right. right now the rules have all changed. So the rules of the wealthy it, it, have all changed, and the old school way of thinking of going to school, going to uni, getting good grades. I mean, good. I see so many people now finish uni university and they're struggling to get a job. And they've literally spent five years at uni, and now that they're up to their eyeballs in student debt, struggling to get a job, it, it doesn't really work anymore. And then they get a job, two, three thousand pounds a month, but then rents are grand. So food, petrol, everything's going up, 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 but wages aren't. So it, that's why, and that's one of the reasons why I um, have a property education company, because... Myself, when I started out in property, I wouldn't have been able to succeed if I hadn't have had mentors that mm. have shown me a new way to do things. If I'd have tried to do it with hard work and hustle alone without working smart,
0: hmm. I, I
1: think I'd still be trying to get my first house right now.
0: Hmm.
1: No one buys a castle from their savings.
0: <laughs> That's for real. That's definitely right? the truth right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but you do say, you know, you can't save, well, you could, but chances of ever getting enough to have the deposit for the right kind of house are really slim so obviously surrounding yourself with mentors but what other kind of practical things do people or should people you know sort of pursue to get on the property ladder given that there's hardly any chance to do it by (laughs) savings or by by your salary because it's like yeah
1: (laughs) dudes um i think i think one of the answers is to realize that before you can become a property investor you need to become a property entrepreneur so instead of instead of trying to save 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 when it's hard you've got to think how can i actually make more money mm-hmm. how can i make money so the way i became a millionaire was not through property investment that's not how i became a millionaire i became a millionaire age 25 through being a property entrepreneur yes i owned houses But I had a business, and my business was to find property investments, negotiate them, and then pass those investments to wealthy investors and charge a finder's fee.
0: Right.
1: Now, that's called a business. So that business, which you can start with no money, you don't need money to do that, because all you're doing is finding deals, going networking, finding investors, linking the two up. You don't need a deposit. But every time you do that, you're going to get paid three, four thousand pounds. So if, if you do that 10 times, that's enough for a deposit on a house. Mm. So instead of thinking, I'm on a salary of two grand a month and my outgoings are two grand a month, I have to cancel Netflix, stop having that morning coffee and save up £20 a month. No, that, that will lead to poverty. Yeah. Well, I need to work harder and I need to live below my means. That's going to lead to poverty. So the answer is how can I become valuable in the marketplace and make money – and then I want to make more money and then I'm going to use that money to invest. Yeah. That's the, I think that's the uh, that solution. Is,
0: that is wealth of knowledge right there. That's more valuable than gold, if you ask me. That's some really good stuff right there. I'm okay. hoping people who are listening and watching are taking that away because I've definitely learned something from literally what you've just said. Um, and obviously you have these courses. Do you run them, obviously now with COVID gone, I would imagine you run them in person now or are they all mm. online at the minute?
1: So um, they're both. We have an online version and we have in-person versions. Um, I could just do it online, but I genuinely just absolutely love doing it. So I get a real – and I, something really interesting about the um, my training courses, how it began, was when I finished Bible college, I was so relieved and just, just – I was, I, was, I was so excited about the idea of being an entrepreneur, but also – an entrepreneur while walking in my calling mm. because people, people sometimes think that if you can, you, you know, you can be um, an entrepreneur and a bit of tent making, right? A bit of tent making for the real thing, which is ministry. But mm. actually your ministry may be your business. Mm. I mean, man, I'm, I'm able to reach people I'd never reach if I was just a pastor of a church Hmm. Now we need pastors and we need evangelists and we need, but we also need entrepreneurs. We also need people to write the checks. Yeah. (laughs) Right. We need, we need people to write the checks. So I feel like there's a lot of people in the church who are called to be entrepreneurs. They've got an entrepreneurial flair. They've got a natural ability to make money. Not everyone's meant to be an entrepreneur. We also need people to be pastors. We need people to be ministers, but some people are called to be an entrepreneur and sometimes the pastors instead of in releasing them into the marketplace to go make money, they bang them over the head and tell them to be on the Sunday school. <laughs> so when I left Bible college, I'm like, man, I want to release Christian entrepreneurs. So yeah. I set up a little company um, called training Kings, right. which was a Christian business network. And the purpose of it was to educate and inspire people to find their calling and to step up in in, in business. and, That was sort of the beginning of my training. But then more and more people started saying, how did you make money? I'm like, in property. Can you teach me that? And then slowly it became what it is today, which is a property education school, which Mm -hmm. is the largest in Europe. And we've, you know, we train thousands. We've got like just just this month, we're training a thousand students in person. And do you do that
0: in other countries as well? Because you said it's the largest in Europe. So I'm guessing you do other countries or is it just in the UK?
1: We have students from uh, 42 countries across the world. Wow. but so mostly, you do travel
0: as well? You travel to the other countries? Most of the, 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 the
1: international students are online students. Right, right. But I do travel a little bit, but it's mostly, that's mostly online. But we also have people internationally um, come to the UK to receive the training.
0: Wow that is imp- they must be really serious and do you find that obviously with this level of interest in the information do you get lots of success stories as well from people who've actually applied the knowledge that you share
1: i have a youtube channel um i have a show called winners on a wednesday mm. and every wednesday i interview someone that's become financially free mm. and they've, they've absolutely knocked out the park Every Wednesday, I've been interviewing a new person. I've been doing that for over three years. Even wow. through lockdown, every single Wednesday, I interviewed somebody new. So, yeah, we have...
0: That is di- insane. And I've
1: even got... Um, I've published... Um, I, put, I recently published a book um, somewhere. Anyway, it's called um, Samuel Leeds Success Students. It's got 30 chapters, and every chapter is dedicated towards one of my students. I just wow. put out volume two. So, now that's a new book, I'm in the process of writing volume three. So, the success students are, are absolutely wild, you know, that is
0: crazy. a ministry in itself. That is, that it is. is a ministry.
1: But a, lot of, but a lot of the people that become successful go and start churches, you know, go and set up charities, go and... Now, it's not a Christian. We're not a Christian training company. We're just property training company. But for some reason, we just seem to attract really beautiful people. That's you know, really and, good. They, and They come and they, they become financially independent. They get a few properties. They get a bit of passive income. And then they then go and change the world in, 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 their, in their own way. And it's just, for me, it's... It's a blessing, man.
0: It is. It's ministry because it's something about prosperity which sometimes we don't fully understand, and you did mention that um during the course of this conversation, is that it's not for us. I recently went on a retreat in January and we'd had this beautiful manor house. Um the hosts of the retreat are actually quite wealthy as well. I would imagine they're millionaires given they live in a manor house. And the lady kept on going, she's a Christian as well, and she kept on going, we're so blessed but we don't deserve it and it's not for us. And they have this heart of giving and that's probably why they keep getting blessed. And I feel like if we're chasing, maybe not chasing is not the right word, but if we're aspiring to be wealthy and to you know, attain certain levels of success and prosperity, we need to see the bigger picture beyond that, which is that it's not really for us. And I think that's probably where people are uncomfortable on the prosperity and the po- poverty gospel is who really is it for? The minute we nail it down, to knowing it's not really for us, but it's for, you know, as you said, having charities, having churches, having foundations, reaching out to people. When we nail that, then I, th- I think wealth and prosperity is serving the purpose that God really intended. I don't know what you think about that.
1: Yeah, I think, listen, there's reasonable minds can disagree and everybody makes their money differently. Some people might inherit money or the bottom line is taking, look, looking at this completely pragmatically, People that are wealthy, whether they be Christians or not Christians, people that are – because there's a lot of people that are wealthy that are jerks. There's a lot of people <laughs> that are wealthy that are. They are. They walk up, they trample over people. They've got no heart. Um, and there's also people that are um, poor that are jerks. So, you know, yeah. So, but, but generally speaking, I mean, just looking at this really pragmatic, people that become wealthy are people that add value to the marketplace. Hmm. If you bring, if you have a valuable product or service, and you take that to the marketplace, whether that be good, good, affordable accommodation, whether that be whatever it is, if it's something valuable, then money follows value. So if you want to be wealthy, okay, so look, I'm just going to be, make myself really valuable to the marketplace, and I'm going to get really good, and I'm going to find out what people want, and I'm going to give it to them. Hmm. And if you do that, you'll become wealthy. Now, if you're a Christian, you know that actually everything on this earth is leasehold.
0: Yes. That's wow. That's a big nugget right there. Bang on.
1: So, so my net worth was valued at 20 million pounds, but I know actually I'm just a steward, right? I came into this world with nothing and I'll leave with nothing. Mm. And in, in, in between, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just looking after stuff. It's leasehold. It's not mine. It's God's. Mm. Everything. The earth is the Lord's and God everything. Fullness, yeah. So, you know, when, when when I'm when I'm giving value to the marketplace, I'm making money. I'm 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 employing people. I'm giving people jobs. I'm providing people affordable accommodation and, and, and houses. I'm, I'm 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 giving money to my charity. I'm giving money to my church. Um, and and I think that's it. Really, it's really straightforward. And you know, I used to think because I used to be scared to make money because I thought I'd I'd fall in love with money. Oh man, I'm scared to make too much money in case I get addicted to it. But I realized actually, you know, what was really interesting. I think that. Loving money doesn't mean having a lot of money. Loving money means loving money, Mm. and a lot of people that love money, they love money. They don't have any. (laughs) The people that they're scratching, scratching the lottery cards, (laughs) like guess (laughs) money, 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 right? But they don't have any money.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's not about what you have. It's about what. As I said earlier, it's about what's got you. It's not. Mm. So loving money, loving money, in 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 the sense of you know being addicted to money, that's that's a problem. Mm, But mm, being valuable mm. in the marketplace. And being a good businessman or a good businesswoman and making a lot of money and then being responsible with that money, that's just that's just, that's just just good business. Good business. There's, yeah. there's no problem with that. I don't think biblically, biblically there's been people throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament that have been wealthy and they've been great men of God and there's been people that have had nothing and they've been great men of God. So yeah. I think people sometimes get very um, super spiritual about it, but actually it's quite simple. You know, it's just about making sure that you your heart is in the right place and you remember that everything is God's and you're responsible with what you've got, whether that be money or, or something else.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that's a really brilliant way to wrap up the conversation, being responsible with everything that we have, because it's ultimately on leasehold. I've never actually thought about it that way. You always think that your house is freehold and the other people's house is leasehold, but even the freehold property that I own is actually technically lethal because it's going back to God as and when. So thank you so much, um, Samuel. This has been a really, really productive conversation. I've learned so much just listening and I'm hoping that our listeners have also benefited a lot from this conversation. Um, Just to kind of wrap things up, any final words from you and also where people can find you, find your resources, find your books, find information about your training, your YouTube channel, because I genuinely think that you have such a wealth of knowledge as well as a wealth of wealth, but a wealth of knowledge that you can share share with people and enrich their lives. So yeah, a few final words from you.
1: Yeah, I think what I'd probably say to wrap up final words is it's really important to know what your calling is. Not not everybody is meant to be an entrepreneur. Um, mm. It's important to know what your calling is. And the way to know what your calling is, is I believe is to do what you've seen. So if if you've seen something and you think why is, why is no one doing this? It's probably because you're meant to do it. Now that may be a gap in the marketplace, right? You might be like, "Why is no one, why is no one buying properties and doing them up and selling them in this area?" There's so, much, right? If you've seen the gap in the market, it's because you're meant to fill the gap. But mm. you, you might, you might see, but it, not that's not just your business, you know. Like you might say, "What? Why is there homeless people in this country? Why is no one out preaching on the street corners in this? place? whatever it is that you've seen, why is no one doing this? What we are the people we've been waiting for." Mm. and and that whether that's business or whether that's something else you've just got to do what you feel called to do and do it with passion and 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 drive and do it um you know and, and, and and put your all into it so i think that's probably what i would say in terms of how people can connect with me um any i'm on every social media platform i'm on youtube and everything so you're, not, um, you're just, not on
0: tiktok are you are, are you, a oh, I on <laughs> okay. you on tiktok i on tiktok okay you think t- the oh, dances yeah. or you're just talking yeah, i on tiktok
1: <laughs> I just posted a video on tiktok today so I'm on tiktok I'm giving giving financial guidance on tiktok showing houses and showing different things um, I'm on every social media platform and um, it's just a real pleasure to be connected and I th- thank you for letting me come on the show
0: no no absolutely my absolute pleasure and thanks for honouring the invitation and for sharing as well You've been listening to the Church on Box podcast with me, Sarah Tabo. If you'd like to share your thoughts on today's program, please visit the Church on Box Facebook group. I'd love to hear from you. And if you'd like to hear more about what I think about today's topic, go and sign up for our email list at www.churchonboxed.net and we'll be in touch.